Hey, welcome to night school in the studio here. I'm actually making a legitimate effort to not buy another nicotine vape for a while or indefinitely. It's been close to a week and I haven't been craving it. You know, I haven't really wanted it. I've taken a couple hits off this depleted one, but I'm not getting anything. There's no juice left. But I think this is a good chance to make a real go of it. But enough nicotine melodrama. That's interesting to nobody but me. Nobody but me. You know, I was coming back from uh, the post office and... You know, I never expected us to live in a world where you hear thumping subwoofers all the time. That was something that got big when I was a teenager. It was big among teenage boys. Because I was really the first generation that put rap above all else. You know, it was really millennials that decided rap and hip-hop was going to be the music. The music of our generation. Because the previous generation, I mean, grunge was still big. Quote-unquote alternative was big. MTV... You know, a lot of it was very rock-oriented, like my sister's age group. I was thinking about this earlier, how my sister and her friends, I don't ever remember them listening to rap. Not once. I don't think I ever heard, I don't think my sister ever owned a single rap CD. And she loved music. You know, music was her thing. I don't think she owned a single rap CD. A rap CD. I don't think she owned a single rap CD. Um, And her friends, too. And she had a a pretty broad group of friends. It just wasn't something they were into. She did have a boyfriend, though. She had this boyfriend for probably a couple years, one of those surprisingly long teenage relationships. And he was a jock who was really into rap. But it seemed like a novelty. And he bought me, for my birthday one year, he bought me an Onyx tape, which I was really excited about. Onyx back to fuck up. He bought me that. Really nice. But I can't even think about what he was into. He liked Warren G, I think. If Warren G was around, it was something like that. Like, I feel like his taste was weird. It wasn't, it was just like whatever he had heard. It wasn't like there was some, like, core curriculum to his rap taste. And he was the only person I knew like that. But then by the time that I was in junior high, the shift happened where suddenly rap was what people were into. And then as my generation started driving cars, it became big to have a subwoofer. A subwoofer. And there was always this debate over it. It's like, it's so loud. It's so bad. You know, Um, the debate over subwoofers, it's often framed around like a noise complaint. Like, it's too loud. Oh, you hear it. You can hear it driving by. And it was also framed around this kind of like out-of-touch old man who's just like, you're making too much noise when you drive. I don't think that's it entirely, though. Like, the noise is part of it. But there's something inherently aggressive about it. I think that's the source of the issue. I've been calling subwoofers on here for years war drums. Whenever I hear a subwoofer, I hear a war drum. You don't hear music. 
even if there's music buried inside of there somewhere, when you hear that, what you hear is a loud thud. Not for the person's own enjoyment, to communicate something to you. They are trying to communicate something to you. It's a war drum. It's aggressive. And so when people say they hate subwoofers, I mean, it was a big debate back in the day. You heard about altercations between old men and teenagers over the subwoofers. But it wasn't just the noise. A big part of it is that it's communicating something aggressive. And when somebody communicates something aggressive, people respond defensively or even aggressively themselves. So I think it creates this aggressive atmosphere. I mean, I feel that. Because I couldn't really give a shit about the noise. I mean, cars, I've realized how loud cars actually are when I'm trying to record a podcast into my phone. I'll be walking along a street and I just think, wow, like that really drowns me out. I never really think about how insanely loud a car driving by is. But for me, it's not even just the noise complaint because cars are just loud in general. To me, it's that... If somebody's behind me, which is what happened today, if somebody's behind me at a red light and I hear that, I immediately don't trust them. I immediately, because they are trying to communicate something to me that is aggressive. They are beating a war drum. But going back to when I was a teenager, it, it made sense that teenage boys gravitated toward that. The idea was like, oh, this is something like this, this represents me. This way people will notice me. It was a way to be noticed. It was a way to seem tough and cool. If you had a loud thumping bass coming from your car, what you wanted to communicate to people is I'm tough and I'm cool. Not I'm a music lover. It had nothing to do with, oh, I love music so much. Because, I mean, if you've ever been in one of those cars, and I didn't have friends who were into that, but I've been in people's cars who have those systems. I've been in people's cars who have those systems. You don't even hear the music. The car is like rattling. You're literally just surrounded by this insane throb. And I'm sure people have different systems. I'm sure some people, it, it's, it's a little, it sounds a little better. But there's no musical enjoyment. And I love music. I love tones. I love bass. But when I've been in cars like that, there's no enjoyment. And I know that the person driving is doing it to communicate something to other people who aren't in that car. Who aren't in that car. But uh, I never expected it to be permanent. Like when teenage boys, when I was a teenage boy and other teenage boys did that, I didn't necessarily expect that to be a permanent part of our culture. To the point where men who are now in their 40s are driving around still doing that. And it's something you just have to accept about going out and about. Like going out and about, whether you're walking or driving, part of the American experience is that everywhere you go, there's a good chance somebody will be just blasting a war drum. And you always notice it. You can't help but notice it. And there's a decent chance that that person is going to be an asshole. They're going to be an asshole. There's a decent chance that that person is going to drive a little bit like an asshole. I'm not going to say they're a nightmare on wheels, although some of them can be. 
But I think there's a higher chance that that person who's blasting their war drum is going to be an asshole on the road. Because it comes with the territory. You know, they're trying to seem tough and cool. They're trying to seem street. You know, I talked about that a little while back. How much focus people have put into seeming street. You know, it's what Miles talks about. You know, how Miles has this point that I'm not really great at explaining, but I understand what he means. Where he says, "We've, we've turned into this sort of prison culture. The way people talk, and I think it's informed a little bit by hip-hop, but we, we've taken on this way of talking that's almost like prison lingo, prison language. Like, oh man, don't, don't snitch, dude. And again, I can't really ex- do justice to his point, but I feel like it kind of fits what, I, what I'm talking about, where it's like there's this strong desire, especially for people who aren't street, to seem street. And I think the loud bass is part of that. And uh, I guess I am just an old man. I guess I am just an old man who's like, it's, it's too freaking loud. But it's not the volume. It's not the fact that it's loud. I mean, when you hear, it, it's a different, um, it's different than just hearing loudness. You know, because it's, it's similar to when you hear a car that's deliberately designed to make a loud vroom. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what that's called. But when someone designs a car to make a really loud vroom sound, because they're into cars, they're doing that for everybody else. They're doing that to send a message to everybody else. And again, it's not about audiophilia. These aren't audiophiles. People who have these loud sound systems are not audiophiles. It's actually far from an audiophilic experience. Every time I've been in one of those cars, it's actually an audiophile's nightmare. Because you can't hear anything except just this loud, all-consuming bass. But it's become permanent. It's become permanent. There are people who just couldn't let that go. And now we experience it everywhere. And when I hear that, I don't trust the person. If I'm on the road, and like I said, if, I, if there's somebody behind me and they're blasting that, I don't trust them. If I see them in a parking lot, I trust them less than I trust other people. Another version of that is when you see, because I'm not a car guy at all. I respect that some people really like cars. I'm not a car guy. There's actually nothing less interesting to me than talking about cars. Back when I drove a Honda, I had a Honda Civic. It was just factory, you know, factory preset. I loved that car. I loved my Honda Civic. But it was just factory, you know, I think the only thing I changed was uh, when I bought it, it had a tape player and I installed a CD player. I had a CD player installed. I didn't I didn't install it. You think I know how to install a, a CD player in a car? Um, I'm not a car guy. But uh, because I had a Honda Civic, there was always this fucking conversation. Oh, dude, you got a Civic? Like, you could do this to it. Oh, dude, have you thought about doing this? 
oh, dude, you got to suit you. For whatever reason, driving a Civic, at least at that point in time, opened the doors to this non-consensual conversation about what I could do to my car to make it cooler. I don't hate people for bringing that up or finding that interesting. It was just nothing. I, I didn't communicate anything. And I would always say too, oh yeah, I'm just, not, I'm not terribly interested. You know, yeah, oh, that's cool. Like I'm not, I'm not, it would be polite, but I would just say, oh yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not really into cars. But what's interesting about that is when you say that to a certain type of car guy, when you say like, I'm not, yeah, I'm just not really into cars, but that's cool. They don't even hear it. They don't even process that. Like they can't comprehend that you're not into cars. Even if you tell them explicitly, I'm not into cars, it's like they don't process it. They still keep thinking like, oh yeah, well you could do this or you could, you you could add this to it. But you know, another version of uh, just things I don't trust on the road. You know, muscle cars, I feel like I'm a little more tolerant of muscle cars But there's this other version of, I don't even know what it is. Because muscle cars, even though I'm not a car guy, I can kind of understand the appeal of a muscle car. I think there is something appealing to them. Even newer ones, even though I I think like the sleek, modern muscle cars are ugly, I can still kind of understand them. Like I had a friend a few years ago who had, I think it was a, a new Dodge Charger. And even though it didn't look as cool as an old one, I still kind of got it. I still kind of understood why it felt good to drive that. But I'll see these other ones that are way more, I don't even know what they are. Basically anything with a big spoiler. But I'll see these ugly little modern, I don't know what you call them. They're like race cars, but people drive them on the street. And I saw one yesterday in a parking lot, and he was pulling into the parking lot as I was walking into it. And immediately I was like, I'm going to have to watch that guy. I'm going to have to watch out for him. Even though he hasn't done anything, I'm just seeing him enter the parking lot. I'm going to have to make sure he doesn't hit me. I'm going to I'm going to have to make sure that he's not a problem. I don't trust him. And it's such an ugly little car too, and to each his own. But it's like this little blue compact thing. I mean, it looks like a car version of a sketcher sneaker. Like there's something about sketchers where it's like they never looked as cool as Adidas. They're girl shoes. They're girl shoes. Skechers are girl shoes. But Skechers, it's like they, they were going for almost an Adidas look or something, but they're like too puffy. They're almost like cartoon shoes. There's something about them. I'd have to look at one. I'd have to look at a Skechers sneaker to really break down what I see. But they never look cool. They looked like something that was like modeling itself after something popular, but like somebody injected silicone into it. It was too puffy. But uh, these cars that, that I see, they're, they're almost like a, uh, yeah, they're like a car version of a Skechers sneaker. They're small, but they almost have this like puffiness to the way they've been customized. And they usually have a big spoiler. I don't know what they are. But you can just predict, like you see that car, and because that guy has this little racy car, a little racy car, you know that he's going to drive that way. You know that he's going to treat everything like a racetrack. And sure enough, I saw him entering the parking lot last night, and 
he starts driving like he's in a racetrack. Like every decision he made, you could tell he's role playing that he's on a racetrack. Like he's the way that he even turned into a parking place. Like he gave no indication that he was going to park there. And then he just did this like abrupt, fast, like turned the steering wheel 90 degrees and just like zoomed into the, the parking space. And I had to watch myself because I was, I was walking that way. And so I had to be careful that he didn't run me over. And so you can usually tell something with those kinds of guys. Where because he's driving this little race car, and they don't even look like real race cars. It looks like a toy. It looks like a toy that you injected with silicone and it grew up, got too big. But uh, you just have to watch him. Because it's like, that. there's a good chance that guy is going to drive aggressively. And you don't see this with women. Yeah, there are women who blast subwoofers. There are women who drive fast. This is not something you typically see with women, though. Men manifest themselves. The, the, the male identity manifests itself in cars in a very aggressive way. That includes like, hey, man, I, I'm going to turn my car into a race car. And because, because my car looks like a race car, I'm going to drive it like it's a race car all the time. It, you know, it's almost like gun people, where a lot of the gun people I've known are very respectful of safety and the proper way to handle guns. And I feel like car people should be that way. And I'm sure many of them are, and we just notice the bad ones. But it feels to me like if you're really into cars and racing, you should be extra mindful of the fact that the road is not the racetrack. But it's like a hammer and nail dilemma where it's, you know, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's kind of how it is with this, where it's like if you're driving a race car, everything becomes a racetrack. Especially if you're a wannabe like these guys. These guys aren't professional racers or anything. But I feel like if you were a professional, I feel like if you're somebody who takes racing very seriously, you're going to respect the safety of the road more than anybody, I would hope. Like a gun owner. Like a gun owner who's like, keep it unloaded, keep the safety on, never point it at somebody. Don't screw around. There's a lot of, most gun owners that I've known are that way. Sure, there are some who are reckless. And those are the ones you hear about. And I, you know, I wonder if it's the same way with cars, where there's a lot more people who are into racing and aggressive driving, but they also understand that there's a time and a place for it. I don't know. But it is funny, like, you know, cars haven't existed for very long. Cars have not, a, they've not been around for that long. And it didn't take us any time. It took us no time to invest our egos into them, to make them more dangerous than they needed to be, to use them as outlets of aggression. And it'd be interesting to have watched that develop. I'm guessing it was around the 50s. That seems to be when we think of the greasers and racing cars. Because, I mean, it seems like older cars... Seems like the Model T, could you really do much with that? 
I'm sure people still got in accidents and got hit, but it's like you only do so much with that. But it's like cars are already terrifying. It's already terrifying that we trust each other to drive around in vehicles, given how absent-minded people are. And I've noticed a lot more absent-mindedness lately. I might have just hit a bad patch of people. But walking to the store the other night, it's a crosswalk that I go through almost every day. I walk the same crosswalk every day, and I never have to worry about people. Like, even though there's a free right that people take, people are usually very respectful. This is such a popular crosswalk. It has people continually crossing it all day that I think most people in cars are cognizant of that. They're aware of the fact that, oh, there's a decent chance that a pedestrian will be crossing this crosswalk. And I never run into issues. I'm self-aware and I'm safe, but I never run into issues in this crosswalk. But the other night I was crossing it to go somewhere and a Domino's driver was pulling up and he never looked up once. This is just my complaint journal. This is my complaint journal. But the Domino's driver, he never looked up once. He was texting, but he kept creeping up while he texted without looking up. So I'm walking through the crosswalk, and he's, he's creeping up more and more into the crosswalk. And what got me about it is he didn't look up once. He didn't even glance up. He was texting the entire time. And that's a special level of insanity. That is a special level of insanity to be creeping up into a crosswalk without even looking up while texting the entire time. And when I got near his car, he was still doing it. And I just I yelled, I was like, hey. And he looked up like shocked. Like he was shocked that his totally negligent behavior might get get him called out. Like he looked genuinely shocked. Like he didn't look mad at me. He looked like he was genuinely shocked that creeping up into a crosswalk while he's texting without looking up might result in somebody getting his attention. He's lucky it wasn't a body on his the hood of his car, you know? But then what's crazy is like when I was walking back from my destination in the same exact spot, the crosswalk turned green, whatever, turned walk, it turned walk. And a dude in a little muscle car, like a new souped up muscle car, he just sped right through. Like if I had stepped off the curb, he would have just smashed me. And it was my right. You know, I had the, I had the green to, to go ahead, but it was like, he didn't even look. And he would have just clipped me. He would have killed me, probably. He was going so fast. You know, and I was just like, huh, you know, that spot. Like, I had to avoid certain death or uh, I had to avoid being maimed in that same spot twice tonight. And that's never happened before. But I've kind of noticed that lately in general, like a lot more absent-mindedness. And that might just be what I've seen lately. There might not be any explanation There might not be any reason, but my brain feels fried. And I'm getting that impression from a lot of people. People's brains feel fried, which is not good. Because people will still act out. Like people who are, when, when everybody's brains are fried, they don't just sit around doing nothing. Like they still have to do the things they have to do. And so it just makes everything worse. You know, just it, it, it's it's like a, it really is like a disease. And, I, it, you know, I, I don't know who to blame for it. 
I try not to blame anybody for anything, but you know, I, I think you can just blame this climate, just this constant agitation. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen. We all knew that everything was going to take its psychological toll, not just the events themselves. We knew that the reaction to the events, the narratives that have formed around these events, we knew that it would fry people's brains eventually. We knew that it would get to everybody just about. And even if you have some sort of structure set up, like even if you're disciplined, even if you don't let it creep in too much, it's still impacting you. It's impacting everybody around you. But it's like, I live in a very, uh, it's like where the suburbs meet the forest. You've heard of where the mountains meet the sea. I live in a part of town where the suburbs meet the endless vast forest. It's like little pockets of suburban houses and then it just kind of melts into farms and trees five minutes away, two minutes away from where I live. But it's, for me, like you'd think that this would be you know, this is a middle-class environment. You'd think that it would be nice. You know, you'd think that going out and about in this area would be fairly nice. It's a beautiful area. You know, it's, it's fairly stable. It's not urban, nor is it way out there in the sticks. It's kind of a nice balance, but it's, you know... It's, it's, it's become an environment and there's always been like shades of this. It's not like this is everything is totally brand new, but it's like it's now an environment where it's just orange heroin needle caps. And this is just this is what everybody's complaining about, but I might as well join in. But it's just you just see an endless it's, it's like uh, heroin needle caps like grains of sand on the beach people who are just out of their minds one way or another combined with like loud subwoofer bass everywhere you go it's just uh there's nothing utopian about it and i'm i'm really trying hard to see the brightness i'm really trying hard to look toward the light and i do make an effort to do that you know i think on this show I'm more likely to delve into just complaining and ranting because that's what's fun for me. But I, I am making a sincere effort to see the light. To see the light. It's really difficult, though. And it's not even that bad here. Somebody could play the, the dick game whose dick is bigger. Oh, where I live, it's worse. Oh, I live in the city. You know, you ever been to the city? And that gets into like the normalizing of these things. Because one thing that I refuse to do is I refuse to treat this as normal. Like whenever you talk to somebody who's in, who lives in a big city, they're like, oh, there's a, few, there's a few heroin needles on the ground. You ever been to a city? Oh, there was a shooting down the street. You ever been to a city before? That's just how it is. That's just how it is in the city. They take this weird form of pride in how dehumanizing cities are. Meanwhile, I refuse to see that as normal. You know, I'm not a prude. It's not like I've never seen nasty things before. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to 
you know, grow used to it. That's something that I refuse to do. I refuse to accept what I'm seeing as normal. Because if everybody sees this as normal, it's only going to get worse. It's going to stay this way and or get worse. And I think it's going to get worse if we see it that way, if we accept this. Because, I mean, I look around and I'm just, I, I go to the, the grocery store here in the suburbs and I think, this is unacceptable. The state of, of people, and I say this in a non-judgmental way, I, I say it just, this is not the way, this is not okay that people are living this way. This is not okay for them, for their own health, for their own well-being. And I'm just talking about normal people right now. I'm talking about normal people who you see at the store. You just get the sense that something is wrong. But uh, it's amazing too. You know, it, it is just like I was, I think I was saying the other night, like more than anything, I mean, I don't go around with a furrowed brow. These days I go around with a blank stare and I just say, wow, can you look at that? Look at that. Wow. (laughs) Can you believe that? Really? Huh? Huh? Because what else do you have? You know, what else do you have other than that? And that, that helps with the not normalizing this shit too. When you're still astonished by everything, it's not, you know, if something's normal to you, you're not astonished by it. So rather than being upset all the time, because the truth is, I don't go out into the world and get mad. I don't let myself go out and get mad. I might come home and think about it and stew on it a little bit, but I don't, I don't, I truly do not let myself go out into the world in a mad state of mind. I don't let anger come out of me, even when I could. You know, I've worked, <laughs> I've worked very hard. I've worked very hard to not be an angry person. I still feel anger, but I, I've made it a point to not be somebody who goes out into the world and gets angry. Even when somebody does something that should make me angry and does make me angry, I make sure not to act out, to not let my aggression come out. Every once in a while, you know, it's going to slip. We're all fallen, but I just can't let myself contribute to it in that way. I can't, you know, it's a domino. Like you go out and you get angry. That's a domino that falls, hits another domino and on it goes. You have to break the cycle. Even if you feel like saying something, even if you feel like doing something, you just, you have to be the one to break that cycle. And, uh, Oh, just wow. But you have to be astonished. So it's like instead of being angry, I'm just astonished. And it's not I'm not pretending to be in awe. I'm legitimately in awe. What I see makes me say, Wow. Can you believe that? And uh just how quickly things got this way. Like when you think about what was going on a hundred years ago, how quickly it turned into this. Like it's easy to sit around and think like, oh, it's been this way for 300 years. 
been this way for 50 years, 60 years. You know, it was one person's, it's, it's like the average person's lifetime ago that things got this way. I mean, you think about, like, it's, it's hard to even imagine things being different. It's hard to even imagine a world different from the one you're living in at any given time. But sometimes you're reminded. Like, I was looking at old photos of, uh, like, a, a city street from, not even that old, but, like, from the early 90s or mid-90s. And what I noticed is I was like, holy shit, the cars... You still saw some of these older cars that were common when I was growing up. And you just don't see those anymore. Like some of the cars you would see around in, say, 1995 that you'll see in this photo of a city street. I'm just like, you just don't see those anymore. And now when I go down the street, most of what I see are these like mini SUVs that look like bugs. Everybody's driving some sort of like small rounded SUV. These mini SUVs, these bubbly little mini SUVs. And it's like, oh, that, that was something that like gradually you just stopped seeing certain types of cars. And you took it for granted when you were growing up. that Oh, those are the cars people drive. And then it's like 20 years later, 25 years later, those cars have been phased out. I mean, I was thinking last night, I was, I was getting really out there. I mean, I was thinking last night about pterodactyls. Like, just how difficult it is to imagine pterodactyls flying through the sky. Like, I don't, you know, we don't have anything that big. Like, we don't have any point of reference except for, like, helicopters and planes, which are different. But we don't have any point of reference for something that large flying through the sky. Like, the idea of a creature with that level of density... Or even if it didn't have that level of density. Even if it wasn't a muscular creature like a pterodactyl flying through the sky and it just had the, the physicality of an insect and it was that big, that'd be even worse. Like a crane fly that's the size of a pterodactyl. But point being, it's almost impossible to imagine that. It's almost impossible to imagine what that's like to see that in the sky. But that happens with our own experiences, too. Like, it's difficult for me to remember what it was like just to see older cars on the street 25 years ago. And seeing this old photo of a city street, I was like, that feels like a different world. And I can't actually imagine going out and about today and seeing a lot of cars that look like that. It's my own version of probably what people experienced were like 19, like a 57 Chevy. Like how I didn't grow up in a world where you see 57 Chevys around. You do not see cars that look like that. What we used to call boat cars. These cars that look they're as big as boats. I heard all about 57 Chevys. Every once in a while on a nice day, some car collector would be out with his wife driving his, his soup, his, his not souped up, but like his uh, restored 57 Chevy. But it was always a novelty. It would be like, oh, look at that old man. He's got a 57 Chevy. Look at that old man. He's got a 57 Chevy. You know, it, it was always a novelty. It was always like something that was on display. 
but it's impossible in the same way it's impossible for me to understand what it's like to see a pterodactyl in the sky it's just as crazy for me to think about a world where you just see 57 chevys or cars that look like that everywhere at some point that just got phased out and then now we're living in a world where the cars that were around when i grew up you're not seeing as many of those And uh, it's this kind of normalization. And like part of survival is that changes have to become normal. And some of them, you know, whether you want them to or not, they become the new normal. But I think you can also make it a point to not accept certain things as normal. Like that sort of person who is proud to live in a city... And when you point out something deranged going on in an urban environment, they're like, well, it's just what it's... You ever, heard of, you ever heard of the city before? This is just what happens in the city. Oh, you're shocked by what happens in the city? Like, it reminds me of going to the city, going to Seattle as a kid. Two friends and I, we were pretty young. I think we were like 12 years old. And we took the, the bus to the city by ourselves. And we were waiting to go home. And uh, one of my friends sat down on a, on a stair, and it was filthy. There was literally a puddle of piss like three feet away. And there was gum and just dirt. It was, it was truly nasty. He sat down in a really nasty place. And I remember I kind of like looked down at him like I must have made a face or something. Just involuntarily, I must have like I must have made a face when I saw that he sat there. And then my other friend goes, "Oh, what? You're too good to sit down in the city. You're too good to sit in the city." And I was like, "No, it has nothing to do with sitting in the city. He just chose a particularly filthy place to sit, and I was surprised. Like I was surprised that his desire to sit was stronger than." his aversion to the filth that's right... Like, there was literally a puddle of piss. It was like this nasty little corner, what we call a nasty little corner, and it was just like trash and filth, and there was literally piss in the corner, just a few feet away. Like, there's going to be splash. Like, where he sat down, while he may not have sat in the puddle of piss, I guarantee you there was splash, splash, there were sprinkles. But the way my friend reacted, like when he saw my face, I guess, where he's like, oh, are you too good to sit down in the city? It's like, no, I'm not too good to sit down in the city. I just refuse to accept this little piece of the city as a normal and acceptable part of human life. Like, this is nasty. This is, this is a depraved little corner that we're in while we're waiting for the bus. We're like next to a bus station which is already nasty. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like wanting to appear more street too. Like, oh, you're too good to sit down in the city? I always sit in puddles of piss. Just how it is living in the city, dude. There's that sort of attitude. And I notice it especially from people who don't live in the city, but like to, they kind of like to go there and feel like they're part of it. It's worse than city people in some ways. People who aren't from the city, 
but kind of like the posture that they're as hardened and cool as city people. Oh, you do you too good to stay in the city? And I mean, the same thing is that it's like you see two crackheads throwing bottles at each other and you go, oh, geez, that's it's crazy. Let's get away from them. Someone's like, well, it's just this is just how it is in the city. Oh, what? You've never been to a city before? It's like, no, I've been to a city. I've seen crackheads assault each other. I refuse to accept that as just a normal part of life. I refuse to not be astonished by it. You know, it's one thing to not get upset and be like, oh my God, can you see? Look at these guys over here. Oh my God, can you help me? It's one thing to not get too upset about things like that. But I don't think you should ever see it as normal. I think when you see this stuff as normal, it just becomes calcified. You forget that it wasn't normal. It's like inflation. I mean, that's what I'm noticing with inflation now, where when we first saw the prices go up like last year, Whenever it was, like, whenever prices started going up like 30 cents at a time, it was like, oh, this is going up a little bit. And they haven't gone back down. I haven't forgotten what prices were in 2019. I haven't forgotten about that. I pay what I have to pay for groceries, but I haven't forgotten that this is unacceptable and it's unlikely to go back down. I mean, I can't even imagine right now going in and looking at things that have gone up in price and seeing them go down a dollar. I can't imagine this consensus where it's like, oh, hey, you know, the <laughs> the uh, capital has you know regained its previous value. We're going to charge a dollar less. I mean, I imagine they're just going to keep charging what they, you know, it's established this new foundation and everybody's accepted it as normal. Or even if inflation goes down, I don't even see them going back to the old prices. Because people have just accepted that this is how things are now. And that acceptance is a problem. Like, while it's good to be able to accept reality, I think we've entered this phase where we're accepting all kinds of things as normal that we never should. And we never should accept this. I mean, if you want to talk about manifestation, when you accept terrible things as a new form of normalcy, well, you're going to manifest even worse things. That's how I feel about it. And I think that's what we're seeing. Like the things that we've slowly just accepted as normal have resulted in us manifesting even worse versions of them. That's just how it is now. No. I don't see things that way. That's just how it is now. You never been to a city before? Well, are you t- you're too good to sit in a puddle of piss in the city? You never been to a city? Oh, you just got mugged? Oh, that's just what it's like being in a city. There was uh, some online controversy because that fool... I guess, is, is it Seth Rogen? Like some some other celebrity, this is a couple months ago, but some other celebrity got his car broken into in L.A. and was really upset, as anybody should be. 
You should always, you always have the right to be upset when your car window gets broken out and somebody steals your car or breaks into your car. That's an invasion of, of your, you know, that, that car, yeah, it's just a car, but it's also an extension of you. I mean, do I need to explain why it's unacceptable to have your car broken into? Apparently I do. But this guy was very upset about it. He's some kind of celebrity, some somebody of note who I'd never heard of. But it was this big online controversy because Seth Rogen, who is really a nightmare of a human. I try not to think this way about people, but this guy, like if you've paid any attention to this guy, I, you know, I, I first became aware of him on Freaks and Geeks, which I, I really liked that show. And, he, you know, his, his character was enjoyable. I had no idea this guy was such a living, breathing human nightmare. But he responded to this guy online and it was a big deal. Like news articles were talking about it because he's like, he basically pulled the like, it's called living in the city, dude. Oh, what? You, you don't like having your car broken into? I've had my car broken into eight times and it's no big deal. I just accept it. It's called living in the city. That's exactly, that. that is the perfect breakdown of what I'm talking about. And not only that, coming from a, a wealthy Hollywood celebrity. It was like, it doesn't matter. You should just accept that somebody, somebody just, because he even made some sort of joke. It's like the idea of like, oh, maybe the guy needed something from my car more than, uh, more than I, I needed it. You know, it's like that kind of justification. But he wouldn't even let this guy be upset that somebody broke into his car. He, he pulled the like, you ever heard of the city? You ever heard of this? You ever, you ever heard of living in the city? Oh, oh, he's a little, a little baby. Never been to a city before. You know, the worst form of normalization, where it's like, oh, living in this place, it just means people are gonna prey on you all the time. Isn't it great? Isn't it great to live in this place where people are preying on you all the time? Oh, and you're upset about that. You're upset that people are preying upon you. Just accept it. Make it. It's it's normal. That's the way of thinking that I'm talking about. And I see more and more of it. Like, what is it? It seems to be just a total lack of ideal. Like, people have this utopian ideal socially. Where it's like, oh, all races living in harmony. All sexes and all genders living in harmony. A utopian rainbow world. But nobody has an actual an ideal as to like how the nitty gritty inner workings of day to day life should work. It's always this utopian ideal dealing with this like bigger picture harmony. Meanwhile, like while while people have this this lofty ideal, this bigger picture ideal. They're just accepting all kinds of dehumanization. They're accepting all kinds of just rot and deterioration all around them at any given time. And they just say, dude, it's just normal. It's just how it is now. Isn't it kind of great? Isn't, isn't, isn't it? This is culture. Because that's, that's kind of the idea is that like cities are culture. If you want to be cultured, you go to the city. And if you get preyed upon... If you have to sit in a puddle of piss in the city, it's culture. You don't want to be uncultured. Well, guess what? There's no culture anymore. So you can just throw that out the window. But, 
Cars and cities. That's what I'm ranting about today. Ranting and raving about cars and cities. And guess what you find a lot of in cities? You find a lot of people blasting that war drum subwoofer. A lot of that war drum. That's a big part of what it's like to be in a city these days. Just people gridlocked in traffic, blasting war drums. Yeah, that's exactly where we want to be. That's exactly where we want to be as a civilization. Gridlocked in filthy cities, blasting war drums. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. So take.